Hello, listeners. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Campion, and this is another episode of One Guest, One Drink, One Question, the most refreshing pod on the net. Now, if you're new here, here are the rules. Every episode, I'll bring on one new guest, we'll share one drink together, and I'll ask them one fascinating question that we want to get to the bottom of. This week, I have a very special guest. It's my friend, Allie. She's out in Colorado right now. Allie, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Campion. How are you? I'm doing great. You know, we have had a lot of sunshine in Seattle this week, and it's amazing just getting out there and enjoying it. Oof, I'm 100% jealous of that because uh, it is currently dumping snow. We're supposed to get probably a good foot of snow in the next 24 hours here. And we've already gotten a foot over the weekend. So, Wow, that's fun. Uh, I know you're, you're big into skiing and mountain sports, so uh, I guess you're excited about that, huh? Well, I, we can't go and do any of it right now because of uh, mm. the current situation, but I'm, uh, I'm excited to see nature taking its, uh, its course out in the mountains. Definitely, definitely. So, uh, Ali, what drink did you bring for us uh, to share today? I brought some Nestle hot cocoa with a nice whipped cream topping. Mm. And why did you choose Nestle? Uh, it's, you know, something I grew up with, with the specific brand. It always makes a good hot chocolate if you're not going to make it, you know, super fresh homemade with, you know, like the cocoa powder and stuff, because sometimes that just takes too much time. But uh, I like to curl up with some hot cocoa when it's cold outside, or I just need a good little pick-me-up in the evening. Um, so given the current weather here in Colorado, I figured it was a good idea. Hey, that totally makes sense. You know, I'm more of a Swiss Miss kind of person here. Uh, that's what I grew up drinking. So That is that is also a, that's a good option. It's second to Nestle, though. Um, mm. Just have to state the popular opinion. I guess we'll find out here <laughs> shortly. Um, now, before we get into our, our first sip here, tradition on the show is to give a shout out or a toast. Uh, do you have any shout outs for us today? You know, I it can never be said too many times, but always a shout out to the first responders and all of the um, nurses and doctors out there that are helping fight COVID and all of the researchers who are putting in extra time to find a vaccine and all of that, as well as all of the, you know, the people at home that are doing their, taking their, uh, putting in their part, I guess, um, and, you know, social distancing and all of that kind of stuff. Definitely. Yeah. I'd like to shout out to first responders as well. Everyone in healthcare who's uh, working hard, fighting hard against the, the coronavirus that's going on. And yeah, shout out to people staying at home, people like you who are um, hanging out virtually rather than physically. Um, so it's great to have you on the show. And uh, let's go ahead and, and get into our first sip here. Now, uh, I guess to do that, we'll need to put on the whipped cream. So uh, let's go ahead and, and spray that on the hot cocoa. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you All squeeze right, them in your mouth, too, just because? No. No, but I did just eat some there you off go. the top. So there we go. Uh, let's take our first sip. Mm. That's good. Wow. You know, that was good, but, uh, well, just about as messy as I expected, having a lot of facial hair. Um, my mustache is thoroughly covered in whipped cream. Ah, classic. Now, uh, Ali, are you more of a uh, 
Water or milk kind of mixer? Well, see, normally it's water because they don't have milk around. Mm -hmm. But given my current living situation, there was milk in the house. So Mm -hmm. I figured I would make it with milk. Um, And it's pretty good. I'm not going to lie. I don't know if I would always do that because normally I just put it in my um, little tea kettle and let it boil. And then you put the water in, put the powder in and stir away. But this time I had to put like the milk in the pot and then put the powder in, you know, so it took a little bit longer, but I'm thinking it was worth it. Okay. Yeah. That little situation you got going on there was worth all the dishes and everything for, for the, the, uh, more creamier hot cocoa. Yeah. I guess. What about you? You know, uh, I just went with water this time. I, I don't typically have milk on hand and, uh, you know, it's easy enough to boil a kettle of water and mix it with, the. Uh, the hot cocoa mix. So that's what I want with simple, super simple and easy for a Wednesday evening. Definitely. And you know, it's, it's a little strange to me drinking hot cocoa <laughs> when it's, you know, probably close to 60 degrees, maybe, maybe even 70 degrees outside. It's sunny. Um, it's definitely a change, but it's, it's great. Maybe next time you could try like a, an iced hot chocolate, you know? Mm. Now that's an idea. Definitely. <laughs> So, uh, Ali, it's come time in our show to ask the big question of the day. Uh, are you ready for it? Campy and I'm ready for it. Awesome. Here's the question. So I know you're a big skier and you're, you're big into mountain sports. So I want to know if you could create a new Olympic event that's based on skiing or has skiing somewhere related to it, uh, what would that be? That is an excellent question, Campion. It's uh, it's fun to talk about skiing when you have hot chocolate too, because it's one of my favorite, um, you know, appraises for post uh, post skiing um, days. So I'm feeling in the mood. Um, but uh, I think I have two answers. One is a little funny that I know would never happen, and then one's a little bit more serious that mm-hmm. could potentially happen. And so the awesome. I guess we'll go with the funny one first. So. Um, I think it would be funny if, you know, like when you were a kid and like you would have those races where they gave you a spoon and an egg when you had to run with the spoon, but not let the egg fall off of it. Mm -hmm. I think it would be funny if there was a ski race, like a downhill, super simple, like slalom, you know, kind of doing S curves all over the mountain where you had to hold the spoon Mm -hmm. with the egg on it. Cause it definitely would not be as easy as I would hope it would be. Yeah, that sounds uh, really difficult. How, how would they verify someone's not just holding the egg um, themselves? Would would they use someone tracking them or some sort of camera? Well, system? normally they have they have eyes on them all the way down, um, as long as it's a okay. short enough course. So uh, you know, and eyes okay. being cameras, um, so you'd be able to see them at every, at every turn, and you know they would be handed the you know regulation spoon and the regulation sized egg, so mm-hmm. that you know that they're not doing anything. Um, mischievous with it you know like double-sided tape to keep it on a little better or something like that not giving any ideas or saying i would do it but okay okay and who who do you think would be exceptionally good at that you know some current famous skier or snowboarder any of them in mind that would be like excellent at this you know sport? i don't have anybody off the top of my head but i think that it would be somebody that you know it's, it's like a a slow and steady wins the race but like a fast, okay. slow, and steady. 
Okay, like a tortoise and the hare combined into some sort of hybrid. <laughs> exactly. Okay, okay. And yeah, you mentioned, you know, people might try to cheat with double-sided tape or things like that. You know, um, how would they prevent that? Would they have a supply chain of eggs and spoons and, uh, you know, measure everything and photograph everything ahead of time? How yeah, would I would think so. I mean, that would probably, I don't know how many rules there are around Olympic sports, but I know that there's some pretty good ones that make it so that the the playing field is pretty even. Um, so, you know, maybe they, yeah, they have like the specific spoons that you can go out and you can, um, get your own to practice with. And then it's going to be just, you know, your grade A brown egg, you know, nice and organic, uh, farm raised, no cage, um, fed, you know, nothing like that. Um, and then you just get it right on the line, you know, you put your skis on and go up to the line and then they hand it to you. Mm. You know, I, I wonder if, uh, this increases the complexity of, of testing for doping. You know, you have to test the athletes and maybe the chickens. Maybe you're breeding some sort of special chickens to, to, to create more balance. That's eggs. true. Yeah. That would there be. And yeah, I never thought about that level of added complexity. Definitely. So I, I want to hear now, uh, what is this kind of more serious, um, sport i think that it would be really cool if they could get um backcountry skiing on the docket for um the winter olympics because you know they have the standard downhill skiing slalom skiing everything is kind of on a preset course that they get to practice on and stuff like that but backcountry skiing whether it's just starting at the top of the mountain and kind of sending it down a um an ungroomed unmarked mountain that's would I would assume be deemed safe for them to go and, you know, send it down the mountain. Um, I would, uh, you know, that's still just difficult to be able to, you know, kind of go in blind, but also t- it just takes a huge amount of skill. Um, but it would also be cool if they had it as a race to go up the mountain as well. So if you're skinning up, you have to take the skins off your skis, mm. you have to change your boots over to, you know, the different settings so that they're, in downhill mode and then send it down. Um, that would take a whole other kind of athlete. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what would they be judging? Like first one down the mountain? Would it be whoever takes the hardest course? Like how? So how they, they already up? have um, sort of races out there for this kind of backcountry, like you know, just starting at the top and going down. That I'm imagining. Um, and they do it sort of based mm-hmm. on the the complexity of the route that you take down and how clean you do it. Um, so you know, like hitting a okay. hitting a spine of snow and kind of riding that for a little bit, and then hitting a little bit of a jump and doing a nice you know three sixty spin, whether it's up and over mm-hmm. you know like your head or just your body spinning around. Um, but yeah, they already have kind of general guidelines out there. Um, how it would fit into the Olympics specifically. Don't know a ton, but um, it would be, it would be a nice little like switch up where like you're in all of these groomed settings. And then all of a sudden you're like out in an untouched Alp and people are at the top and they're just coming out of a tent and dropping in and, you know, mm-hmm. flying around in powder. Interesting. Interesting. So do you think athletes who maybe, they do their run later in the day, they would have somewhat of an advantage. Like maybe they get to see the, the first athletes go and pick their routes 
or maybe the snow would be carved enough for them. You know, that's a good question. Something that I, I didn't think of, but I think that normally they bring a bunch of people up to the top and then have them go down. Okay. Which is the the way that they do it right now, I think, is in much smaller groups of people um, as the entire competition, which the Olympics are not a small group of people. <laughs> um, so I think yeah. that it would be, yeah, the people that would go later on in the day would either have an, they would have a, a partial advantage because they would see where other people have gone, but they would have a slight disadvantage mm-hmm. because it's, they're going through some untouched areas, which isn't always the best thing. So if they end up going through kind of like some tracks from somebody else, but that's not exactly where they wanted to go, it's a little bit harder to meet those, like end up in the tracks and then make your own track, like kind of try to veer off and make your own tracks. Um, And then it's, I think it's also a a personal thing for um, the backcountry kind of going down is you want to find the route that you want to go down rather than the ones that other people have gone down. So maybe they could even um, keep the scores blind from the um athletes until the end so that they can't tell like you they know what you're uh, like the athletes know what the judges Mm -hmm. are looking for but they don't know like in general but they don't know specifically on this um sort of mountain that they should hit that spine they should hit that jump like it's almost like an art form you know like they see it going down and they're like, Oh, there's that jump that I can go hit. And if I couldn't, I can do, you know, a double backflip or something like that. Yeah. So they're not like biased towards certain routes in the way that, you know, in gymnastics, everyone's trying to do a certain trick because it has the guaranteed right. score. Right. Okay. So, and what, what kind of athletes do you think would be good at this? Because I think that's very different than the athletes who are good at, you know, balancing <laughs> eggs on a groomed course, right? Are, are these more stamina athletes? You know, what That's, kind of Yeah, it would be, if, if it included the skinning up portion, you would definitely need some stamina to be able to get up um, because it's kind of like a mm-hmm. an uphill hike and you can make it as steep or as not steep as you want by doing, you know, taking a lot of zigzags across the mountain as you're going up. But of course, it would be better to go as, you know, the less zigzags, the faster, right? Um, so definitely you need some stamina. Mm-hmm. I think it, it's going to be a lot of experience too, you know, um, being able to just kind of send it down a mountain and a bunch of powder and, you know, being able to see where you want to go, like 20 feet before you want to go there is it, it's something that takes years. I could only imagine to, um, to master. So that would be, I think something that the the athletes would need to be able to compete at an Olympic level. Interesting. You know, I wonder if they would be the same kind of people who make those like GoPro videos <laughs> on YouTube where they, you know, do, do crazy tricks. They go through villages, they go like up and down all these hills, you know, not a traditional athlete, but certainly someone who knows how to uh, go into the untried. Yeah, definitely area. like a, like a, an explorer of sorts, like a, a Jeremy Jones. He does um, snowboarding, like splitboarding backcountry, but, uh, if he was a skier, he'd be, he'd be the, the, um, what is it? The role model of the, the Olympic sport. <laughs> okay. The number, the number one athlete in that yep. uh, area. Awesome. Well, Ali, I think, you know, we got 
two answers to this great question we had today. And both are great because one is more serious. Uh, you know, it could actually happen. There are non-Olympic events where this occurs. And that's this uh, kind of backcountry skiing you described. And then the other answer was a lot of fun as well. Uh, you know, balancing an egg while trying to go down a hill sounds extremely difficult, but extremely uh, unrealistic <laughs> for the Olympics. Uh, but that, that makes it just as fun, right? So, um, Ali, I want to thank you for coming on today's show. Before we leave, uh, do you have any final shout-outs? Uh, just shout-outs to all of my friends back in Seattle. I miss you all. Um, being in Colorado was fun, but, of course, missing all the Seattle views, all the Seattle sun. Um, and, of course, my mom. Hi, Mom. Definitely. Shout-out to everyone in Seattle, including my <laughs> mom, who is also in Seattle. Uh, Shout-out to my dad as well. Before we go, let's go ahead and, and take just a shot of that whipped cream to the face. Uh, I didn't get to do that earlier, so All right. let's do it now. Oh, Yep. It's a good way to end a podcast. Mm. You know, I got all gas that first time, and then I just... <laughs> it took me two tries there, but it was a lot of fun. So thank you for coming on today's show. Listeners, I hope you enjoyed today's show as much as Allie did. You know this is the most refreshing new pod on the web. Every episode, we bring on one new guest. We share one drink together, and we answer one question. We'll catch you next time. Stay sipping, Seattle.